in libraries. We learn a lot about how to organize information. We don't necessarily learn as much about how to manage interactions with people. Welcome to FYI, the Public Libraries Podcast. I'm Kathleen Hughes, Manager of Publications for the Public Library Association. Our guest today is Sarah Zetterval. Sarah is the founding consultant and trainer for Whole Person Librarianship, which applies social work concepts to library practice. She also works at Hennepin County Library as the community engagement librarian for East African refugees in Minneapolis. Her experience includes leading innovative projects in public, academic, and school libraries and archives. She was the 2017 winner of the Bogle Pratt International Travel Fund in support of presenting on library social work collaboration at the Symposium of the International Consortium for Social Development in Zagreb, Croatia. A 2014 American Library Association emerging leader, Sarah has continued to serve ALA through involvement in the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Recommendations Implementation Working Group. She has published on outreach services in public libraries, VOIA, American Libraries, and Library Youth Outreach. She holds an MLIS from St. Catherine University in St. Paul, Minnesota, and an MFA in Creative Writing from the University of Michigan. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. What is Whole Person Librarianship? Whole Person Librarianship is a way of looking at how we do public service in libraries by applying some concepts from our social work colleagues. So I kind of divide it into two pieces. One piece is the more practical piece of what a lot of folks have been doing in recent years of how do you bring a social worker into your library and how do you work with them to meet your patrons' needs. But the other piece that I've really been working on a lot more recently is what do we learn from social workers? What ideas do they have Um, and practices that they have about how they serve people in these challenging times in their lives that we can bring into the way that we interact with patrons in the library. And what are some of those concepts? The really big one is person and environment. You'll hear and see a lot of social workers talking about trauma-informed care. And I know that's something that folks are very interested in right now and having um, trauma-informed service in their libraries. Trauma-informed care is an example of a type of thinking about person and environment. Trauma-informed care says there are things that happen to us in our lives that may influence the trajectory that we take, the kind of behavior that we engage in that are bigger than our individual choices and the control that we may or may not have over those. So it's understanding something like how a teenager acting out in the library isn't doing that because they're quote-unquote bad. It may be because of issues that they're having at home. Person and environment is, is like that but at a bigger level. So it's keeping in mind that it's not just trauma that informs our experience of the world but all sorts of other things as well. Once, once you kind of get a grasp on how to take that lens, it really helps to understand patrons are walking into the library with their whole lives, and they bring their whole lives with them when they do so. And so what can that mean for the way that we approach working with them? As far as trauma-informed care, it seems like that would be a good philosophy for the whole library to follow. Are libraries training their entire staffs on this idea? And if a library does not have a social worker or access to one, where can they find out about trauma-informed care? I would welcome people to come and visit the Whole Person Librarianship website. I have been giving a lot of trainings around the country on these topics for folks in their library systems who are either interested in getting started with a partnership and how they can do that, or um, 
do just want to learn about and apply some of these concepts to the work that they're doing in public service. A specific thing that I've been working on with support from my colleague, Mary Lino, who has been my longtime partner in doing this work and is um, currently a, a, an assistant professor of social work at the University of Wisconsin in Eau Claire. So she really um, helps me make sure that everything that I'm doing has that real grounding in social work theory is that we're really working on creating trainings around this that are focused specifically on the service that people give in libraries. So there are actually quite a number of places that people could go out there to find information on trauma-informed care as a more general concept. If people just want to get a quick introduction to what the definition of it is, there are some great videos that you can just go to YouTube and do a search for trauma-informed care. But there's just a lot of work, I think, right now that's happening around specifically how do we think about what this looks like in a library setting. And I do think that it's really important to put it in the context of a library setting when we're talking about it as librarians because a lot of the other helping professions that rely on trauma-informed approach, they have different boundaries around the kinds of interactions that they have with their patients or clients than we do. One of the videos that I'm thinking of in particular on YouTube that introduces trauma-informed care talks about it in the setting of an obesity clinic, and that's sort of where it got the, the, the genesis of it in, in the California obesity clinic. And obviously, doctors are going to have a lot of different types of information and a lot more uh, private, uh, personal information that they're getting from their patients than, than librarians do from our uh, patrons in the library. It's important to think about, along with talking about trauma-informed care in the library, what our boundaries are as library staff, being really intentional and mindful about where we set those, and then um, what approach do we take and what kind of resources do we know about to refer people along when we're not going to be the ones who are providing them with crisis counseling, for example. And so then that's where those relationships that we build with social services partners are so important and then not burn ourselves out on trying to solve problems that really aren't within our sphere. What are some other social work concepts that librarians might want to become familiar with? One of the things that's really important in social work that we can use in librarianship is this idea of reflective practice or reflective supervision. Social work students and um, social workers seeking licensure are all required to have these regular reflective supervision meetings where they go in, find another person to talk to about what you're experiencing. Um, you go through an intentional process of breaking down, you know, a challenging experience that you had or something that you wish would have gone differently in your work and saying, um, what happened? How did I feel about this? What does it mean? What am I going to do differently next time? There's a bit more to it than just that. But the purpose is that when you have these really challenging situations and troubling situations that you sometimes face, that you can externalize the experience, get advice and feedback from somebody else with um, knowledge of the type of situation that you're dealing with, and then make it into something productive so that you can let it go um, and not carry that around with you and have it be something that's going to continue eating into you. It's a process of learning and growing, something that social workers do all the time and that I think can be really helpful to folks who are working in a library and who are often dealing with these situations 
that they're trying to learn from and that they might not understand, but we're not necessarily making space in our workday to do that kind of assessment or a personal um, investigation of what happened, which can be really, really helpful as a key component of being able to handle these situations. And there's a variety of models that libraries are using to employ social workers. There are kind of three main paths. There's one that is to have a social work student come into the library. So I think what a lot of libraries and library staff members don't know um, necessarily is that both bachelor's level and master's level social work students are required to complete a very large number of internship hours in order to get their degrees. People at colleges and universities who place these students are called um, field directors or field coordinators. They're always, always looking for sites where they can put their interns. And so it's really beneficial both ways for libraries and for the schools of social work to um, have that option where the library can have someone come in and start to provide some kind of connection with social services or test out doing some kind of social work program in the library without an expense to the library. And then the School of Social Work has a place to put their students. Mary and I just presented this fall at the major social work conference in Florida that is the primary conference for their faculty in schools of social work. And there were a number of folks there who were just starting to learn about and starting to place their students in libraries who are very excited about this as a potential area of growth for them. Another possible route that is a pretty low barrier for people to um, begin with is to have community partners, community social service agencies that come into the library and provide office hours there. That can be um, a little bit more challenging in that working with other agencies, they have their, their own particular agendas that they need to meet and social workers are often quite busy. And so it's one thing where the library should really be intentional to understand what their patrons are and what the needs of the partnering organizations are to make sure that you are engaging in a partnership that's going to be beneficial to everyone. But when those do succeed, they can be really, really helpful. And patrons really appreciate knowing that they have this reliable source and that they're always going to be there. There's sort of the big model of actually hiring a social worker into the library. And a lot of people now are starting with one of those first two things that I mentioned, either having a student or having some community office hours in the library or both before they go for saying that they want to try out having a social worker on staff because those initial steps can provide that justification and that evidence of patron need. How do you think a library would know that it was time to engage a social worker? I would start off by saying that I think that the issues, a lot of the issues that are being dealt with, with having a social worker either on staff or closer relationships with social services are issues that pretty much all libraries are dealing with. It's not like there's a bright line between, yes, we need somebody here or no, we don't. Um, I think we're all seeing patrons come into the library just simply by virtue of the fact that we are a place that we see people from all walks of life. So we are going to see folks who need to have support of some kind in their lives in a variety of different ways. 
And it's not necessarily people experiencing homelessness. Again, I'll say that was the big sort of visible example in major urban libraries that have hired social workers uh, on a permanent basis. But I know from working with folks in rural areas, for example, that they might be dealing with unaccompanied minors in the library and how do they want to work with some of the, the behavior concerns that they see. Or they might have folks from Child Protective Services coming into the library to have supervised visits with families and how do they want to improve those partnerships. Just about anybody can benefit from looking into some of these issues and concepts, laying out some groundwork for how to have these interpersonal interactions. In libraries, we learn a lot about how to organize information. We don't necessarily learn as much about how to manage interactions with people. That piece that we get from social work a lot of the time that is helpful regardless of whether the social worker is there or not is that piece about having some guidelines around how to better interact with our patrons. People start to get the idea that they might want to have some kind of social services there when they see people who are coming in to use the library who really aren't there to use the services of the library, who might be there to just hang out because they don't have anywhere else to go, using it as a day shelter, expressing some kind of need that is something that the library can't meet with the resources or relationships that the library has on site. I'll go back then to the idea of first having, for example, a social work intern. A lot of folks use those social work interns as kind of a way to test the water to see if they are ready to really have somebody there because usually a good way to handle it is to have somebody just do one project. So it could be something like having that intern do office hours in the library, having them do some kind of community needs assessment, and then um, the library can kind of gauge and see, okay, the sense that we have that there are people who are coming in here who might need access to these services, is that really borne out by the information that this person collects within their set of expertise as a future social worker. Do you know if any libraries have conducted an evaluation of their social worker services? Libraries really oftentimes don't want to have super personal information about people, or, or if we do somehow end up with it, we want to let it go. Social workers, when they're doing intake, need to collect a lot of personal information. In terms of assessment, one of the things that has been useful is uh, about having that social worker present is that if they're connected with some of the social service agencies that are collecting that information, they can have access to useful information about the patrons that are coming to the library that helps them figure out what best services to provide without necessarily having to engage the library in that kind of data collection that we don't do. Ashley Horn, in, who is the social worker in Brooklyn Public Library, started to collect a lot of data as soon as she started, just numbers about people that she was serving. She's really given a lot of thought to on the, what kind of data library social workers are collecting and can collect and how that can be used. On a smaller scale, in general, people just collecting a lot of feedback from programs that they start up because oftentimes these are in the testing phase and are things where they want to just keep track of every interaction that they have in order to be able to demonstrate to their library boards or to funders 
that these are needs that are coming up in the library. Even just having those numbers as an initial starting point can be super helpful. There are some really great success stories that that people have had out there as well in terms of patrons who have been helped by this. Again, it's something that folks have to be really careful about because of privacy concerns. What are some steps libraries or librarians can take to start down the path? At one point when I was giving a presentation this past year, just sort of in the midst of talking, I have this idea that I have really been super excited about since it just sort of popped out of my mouth in the middle of talking, which was this concept of relationships for the new reference collection. I really think that this is, this is a place for libraries to start with a whole person approach. A lot of libraries for a long time have been collecting with community resources and sharing those with patrons. I think the next step and what's really important and what makes a relationship-based reference collection as opposed to simply a list of resources is building those relationships with the community partners. It's becoming really a, a movement within public librarianship in particular to expect librarians to have those community connections and to cultivate them. And really we can think of this in a reference collection kind of context in that we are exploring, understanding, cultivating resources that just happen to be people and organizations in the community rather than books that we're putting on a shelf. Meeting the people who are doing the work there, really understanding what is happening and what is available in the community, that is what's going to provide that next level experience for the patron coming into the library so that instead of saying, oh, here is a phone number that you can call for this place that might be able to help you, librarian or library staff member can say, oh, I know this person who works at this organization. I know specifically that they do provide the service that it seems like you need. Why don't I make that connection for you and then have that handoff to the person that they know at the organization. That is a really important first step and something that libraries are already well on the path to doing. And then beyond that, I do think that it's just really important for supervisors to talk with all of their staff members and get everybody together to agree on and understand what their boundaries and roles are. I think sometimes when misunderstandings arise, it's because Different folks who are on staff might have different understandings of like how far they're willing to go in helping a patron. Talk about some of those interactions. Talk about how to handle them and be able to say, okay, we're going to back each other up on this is the level of service that, that we provide. These are the folks that are responsible for having those community relationships that they can then make those connections and, and really have that sense of shared responsibility for both the well-being of patrons, but also the well-being of the staff members. Okay. And you have a book coming out. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Mary Nino and I ha are just finishing up the manuscript that should be coming out uh, middle of next year. It is called, unsurprisingly, Whole Person Librarianship, a social work approach to library services, and that's going to be with Libraries Unlimited. There's information about that on our website, and folks can sign up to be notified when the book is available if they would like to. It's going to be the first book to 
present everything that I've just been talking to you about and more. We did a ton of original research talking to folks who are librarians who have been working with social service community partners, who are the social workers who are working in these big libraries. It's all across the whole spectrum of people who have been engaged in this work. So it's really laying out those different ways of having these interactions, but then also interweaving some of the concepts from social work in the way that those can help our library staff members as well. Yeah, we look forward to reading it. So any last thoughts you want to share? or I am going to be doing an online professional development course on this in the spring through ASCLA for a few weeks starting uh, at the beginning of March. There is information about that on the Whole Person Librarianship website as well if folks want to follow up on it. You can find more information about our guest, Sarah Zetterval, and more information about Whole Person Librarianship at wholepersonlibrarianship.com. Thanks for listening.